Love me now. Put your name in there. So, do you love me? That is the question for a spiritual life in Christ, right there. At every juncture, at every breath, at every moment of our lives, Jesus simply asks us, Do you love me? And if we say, Yes, Lord, I love you, then what do we do? We respond to that love by carrying ourselves uniquely in the world. In this series, we get to listen to a pastor and a church family with a rich history in Vancouver, Washington, that's looking to Jesus and the Bible and asking, what does it look like for a church to be the church today? What we'll learn from Pastor Daniel is that this not only relates to his church, but also to all of us as we strive to be God's hands and feet in this world today. Pastor Daniel will share that loving Jesus results in a changed life. Loving Jesus impacts the world around us. Now, here's Pastor Daniel with part one of our message entitled, Jesus is God. Jesus is real. It's been commonly said that without a vision, my people perish. That's a quote from the Proverbs in the King James Version. Without a vision, my people perish. As the brand new, officially lead pastor here at Crossroads, about four months ago, as we began to plan out the year, I sat down with our staff and with the creative folks in our department, and we started talking about what the future of Crossroads looks like, what the future looks like. And one of the first things we came to right away was we want to be able to articulate who we are in a way that seems very personal to us. Now, what's great is that Crossroads is a phenomenal church. We don't need to change very much. Actually, we don't really need to change anything because the church is people. The church is you guys and me and all of us here together and all the people who God wants to add to our family. But as we started looking at who we are, what we've been, and where we're going, what we found was that we didn't need to come up with a new mission statement or a vision statement. What we really needed to do was articulate it in a new way. And that was a beautiful thing when you start to look at your life and you start saying, look, we really like who we are. We're stoked about how God has knit us together. And we are excited about what God is doing in our midst. But this series that we're going to be doing called Because Jesus is Real, We Respond is actually rooted real deeply in our mission and vision and our core values. And so what I want to do first is I want to show you what our new mission statement is. Simply responding to Jesus. Go ahead, say it. Simply responding to Jesus. Now say it like you're excited about it. Simply responding to Jesus. Now you know what I love about this mission statement? That's what life in Christ is really all about. Every single moment of every single day, each one of us simply responding to Jesus. That's what a spiritual life is. When, when something goes on, let's say you're married and you and your spouse get into it for a second, and then you hear Jesus saying to you, oh, don't fight, just love. You don't have to say that. See, like the Apostle Peter, 
in John chapter 21. Do you remember Jesus said to him, Peter, do you love me? And Jesus responded, he said, feed my lambs, tend to my sheep. That question, do you love me? Now put your name in there. So do you love me? That is the question for a spiritual life in Christ right there. At every juncture, at every breath, at every moment of our lives, Jesus simply asks us, do you love me? And if we say, yes, Lord, I love you, then what do we do? We respond to that love by carrying ourselves uniquely in the world, differently in the world. So this mission statement, simply responding to Jesus, that's my personal mission statement of my life, and that's the mission of our church. Crossroads exists to simply respond to Jesus. When something happens, we respond to Jesus by simply saying, okay, Lord, we're going to go do this. And if you look at the history of Crossroads, that's what we've always done. Some 30 years ago, looking at what was going on in our society, Pastor Bill and a group of volunteers said, man, we need to start a Christian school. We want our kids to grow academically and spiritually at the same time. And boom, cornerstone, birth, simply responding to Jesus, looking at the issues going on with, with, with abortion and the need for, for pregnancy resources. We had all these different pregnancy centers started right here in Crossroads. At every turn, boom, simply responding to Jesus. We were looking at what's going on in Clark County with the, with the increase in, in people with different addictions. And we're like, man, we need to start to celebrate recovery. Why? Because we're just responding to Jesus. We send a mission team down to Mexico. Why? Because we're responding to Jesus. We have a team going out to Haiti this week. Why? Just responding to Jesus. That's who we are. We're simply responding to Jesus. And what's happened is that when us as individuals simply respond to Jesus and we do it in community, that's where a church on mission is. So that's our, we're going to be talking about this a lot. And what's interesting is I say simply responding to Jesus. You're like, yeah, I've heard that before. Because we talk about this all the time, don't we? As a church, just simply responding to Jesus. Now, that's our mission. Now, our new vision, because Jesus is real, we are a family of faith fully engaged transforming our community and our world. You guys want to say it together and say it like you're excited about it. Go ahead. Because Jesus is real, we are a family of faith, fully engaged, transforming our community and our world. This is who we've always been as a church. Now we're just stating it in a different way than we've done before, a rearticulation of it. Because Jesus is real, we are a family of faith, fully engaged, transforming our community and our world. Now, I'm going to take the next seven weeks to unpack this for us. We're going to take the next seven weeks. Each one of those lines was prayed over, refit in a bunch of different ways. We sit down as pastors, as a staff. What are we missing? Does it have everything we want? Each one of those phrases are important to us. But what we did, and really Pastor Bill was so instrumental in this for me, because Pastor Bill, if you, if you, for those of you in Next Step, and they have a Next Step meeting tonight, those of you in Next Step, Pastor Bill likes to talk about, we need to, we need to know what the why is. What the why is. And we put the why right at the top. We put it right in the front. So we start with the why. Why? Because Jesus is real. Because Jesus is real. And everything else, that we, because Jesus is real, we're a family of faith. 
Because Jesus is real, we're a family of faith, and we're all engaged, full engagement. What that means is there's no super Christians, they're just Christians. There's no being super filled with the Spirit. We're all filled with the Spirit if you're a Christian. There's no, this ministry is more important than this ministry. No, we're all in ministry. Every single one of us, from the oldest to the youngest, from the oldest in the faith to the youngest in the faith, we're all engaged. And it's just a matter, am I engaged where God wants me to be? So we're fully engaged, and then we're in this work of transformation. We're being transformed, and because we're being transformed, we transform our community, what's around us, and the world. And I'm going to unpack it. First this week, I'm going to start with because Jesus is real. I'm going to do two weeks on that. Then I'm going to do a week on because we're a family of faith. Then I'm going to do a week on us being fully engaged. And then I'll do two weeks on transforming our community and our world. So this is this new series, Because Jesus is Real, We Respond. Now, because Jesus is real, I sat in this meeting and they said, well, Pastor Daniel, if you had to preach one last sermon, if you knew that it was your last day, you have one last sermon to preach, what are you going to preach on? And I said, I'm going to preach on that Jesus is real. Because for me, someone who didn't grow up in the church, who didn't grow up following Jesus, I didn't believe that Jesus was real. And when I realized that he was real, it changed everything for me. Because Jesus exists at street level. He does. He's at your street level and my street level. He's right where you are. This is what I love about Jesus. Jesus is not lofty and separated. He came from heaven to earth. And no matter what your situation is, no matter what your circumstances, no matter what kind of pain or brokenness you may have, Jesus is right there with you at your street level. And I love that. Someone who's been walking with the Lord for 50 years or someone who who is just coming down off of being high. Jesus is right there. And that's the Jesus of the Bible. Now, I'm going to do two weeks on because Jesus is real because in a lot of ways, it, I could do a whole lifetime sermon series on Jesus. And we'll spend the next 30 years, if the Lord tarries, just talking about Jesus Sunday by Sunday, Wednesday by Wednesday. But listen, with Jesus, we need to find the sweet spot. Jesus is fully God and fully man. I call this the sweet spot. Jesus is fully God and he is fully man. Now, I call it a sweet spot because really there's a tension there. How can Jesus be fully God and fully man at the same time? I call finding the sweet spot. Why? Because there's a tension there. And no matter how much you read the Bible, you can't resolve the tension. He is both God and man. He's the God man. Now, one of the earliest heresies in the church was that Jesus wasn't God. It's called the Arian controversy. It's played out today in the Jehovah's Witnesses and some other groups where they do not want to accept Jesus as God. And you have to do a lot of gymnastics with the Bible in order to get there. So I call it the sweet spot because we really want to hold this reality of two seemingly opposing things, Jesus being God and being man. We want to hold them at the same time in tension, not letting one overtake the other. And you can tell... You can tell when churches struggle with this finding the sweet spot because if Jesus is fully God and they diminish his humanity, then Jesus can only be worshipped, but he really shouldn't be used as an example. So it's like Jesus is not like me, 
So I just praise him. But I can't really follow his life because he's like, he's God. I can't be like that. So that's taking the fully God and elevated above the full humanity. Or, and it's going on a lot today in a lot of churches, where you, you elevate Jesus' as humanity. He's a great teacher and example. But let's not worship him because Jesus didn't really want that. So you have Jesus not as worthy of praise, but we have Jesus as a good example of how to live our lives. And brothers and sisters, we sit right in the middle of those two. We hold those two in tension. Jesus deserves worship because he's God and he lived the perfect life and he's our example and we can live a life just like him, empowered by the Holy Spirit. That's what the Bible says. So we find that sweet spot. So this week we're going to focus on Jesus's divinity, that Jesus is God. And next week we're going to focus a little bit more on Jesus's humanity but the reality is we hold those in tension. It's the sweet spot. And I realize that all of us, depending on how we've been nurtured in the church, we struggle to find the sweet spot. And so if you're in here today and you're like, I don't know if I have that balance, I'm with you. We're all growing together, holding this sweet spot that Jesus is fully God and fully man. Now, the reality that Jesus is fully God, I want you to turn with me to John chapter 1 in your Bibles, the fourth gospel. I'm just going to read a couple scriptures here from John, and then we'll ultimately spend our time in Philippians chapter 2. But for right now, John chapter 1. So if you're new to the Bible, it's in the New Testament, about two-thirds of the way through your whole Bible. It's the fourth gospel, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. John's gospel, chapter 1, verse 1, begins this way. John 1, 1 begins this way. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him nothing was made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. And then you move to verse 14. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Now, the early Christians believed that Jesus was God as evidenced by this gospel. Because listen to what they say. In the beginning was the word, the logos. That was a Greek philosophical term. In the beginning was the word. This word was with God and this word was God. And then in verse 2, he was in the beginning with God. So this word who was in the beginning with God and who was God is a he. And then by the time you get to verse 14, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory as of the only begotten of the Father. Who's that? As Jesus. Now you have to realize, some people would say, oh, you know, the early church, they didn't believe Jesus was God. It was a much bigger step for Jewish men in the, in the first century to believe that there was a man who was God than it is for us. Because that was absolutely not part of their culture. It was a huge step. It was a huge step. But this is why we believe that Jesus is fully God, because the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Now, I want you to turn to John chapter 14. So just turn to your right, about 14 chapters. Now, look at verse 6 of John 14. 
Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. And from now on, you know him and have seen him. And Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and it is sufficient for us. Jesus said to him, have I been with you so long, and yet you have not known me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father. And how can you say, show us the Father? See what Jesus just said there? If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Oftentimes we like to say, Jesus is God-like. But do we also realize that in Jesus' full divinity, that God is Jesus-like? He who has seen me has seen the Father. See, because of verses like this, and there's, I'm, this is just two verses, we realize that Jesus is fully God and fully man. He's fully God. I mean, either that or Jesus is loco in la cabeza. Because, you know, like if I came out and I said, listen, I'm God, you guys would try and have me committed. You would. You'd say, there... Think the synapses are not working for Pastor Daniel anymore. It's just not firing anymore. He's way off the deep end. But this is what Jesus said. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. That's why Christians for 2,000 years, we've always believed that Jesus is the only way. Because he said he was the only way. And if you're in here today and you've never put your faith and trust in Jesus, you're missing the boat. Not because I say so, but because God says so. But that boat has not left the shore. There is still a seat for you on that bus, on that boat, if you will simply say yes to Jesus, simply respond to the fact that Jesus is real, that Jesus exists at street level. And if you do that, then you will be saved because Jesus is the way. It doesn't say Jesus is a way. That's what our culture wants to tell us. That Jesus is a way. But in the Greek, the definite article is right there. Jesus is the way. Sure, we live in a culture and we're surrounded by information and we're grateful for that. But with all this information, everyone wants to say, well, that's your way. That's my way. No, there's one way. People say, you notice, I am the truth. People say, well, that's your truth. That's, no, no, truth is truth, no matter if we accept it or not. I might say, I don't believe in gravity. I don't believe in gravity. I mean, why would I want to believe in gravity? But if I jump off of a building, even if I didn't believe in it beforehand, gravity is still gravity. I'm still going to go down fast. Because there's not a truth, your truth, my truth. We make up truth. Truth is truth. And our culture, like Pontius Pilate, has a truth problem. What is truth? But you know, it's amazing. People say it's your truth, but when you get into a science class, they're all about telling you this is the truth. But when it comes to things of metaphysics, spirituality, religion, say, no, no, everyone's just got their own thing, but we, we're the only ones who can verify things. Jesus is real. He is the way, he is the truth, and he is the life. Not a life, the life, the abundant life, the eternal life, the life that you and I really want. All in Jesus. No one comes to the Father except through Him. That is why we place an emphasis on people making decisions 
to respond to Jesus, to start following him. We place an emphasis on it. We realize that making a decision is the beginning of discipleship, which is what Jesus wants, those of us who learn from him. But you never start to learn from someone until you make a decision to follow them. So we realize these decisions we have people make, we do that because that's going to start the process of discipleship. Now, for the rest of our time today, I want you to turn with me to Philippians chapter 2. And I'm just going to sketch a few things for us here today. Philippians chapter 2. We're going to look at verses 5 to 11. Many scholars believe that the Apostle Paul took this. It was an early hymn of the early church. And the Apostle Paul took it and wrote it in the letter to the Philippians. Look what it says. So Philippians is to your right. If we were in John's gospel, you have Acts, Romans, and then the, the Corinthian letters, and then Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians. Philippians chapter 2, verse 5. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Therefore, God also has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of those in heaven and of those on earth and of those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. These verses may be the most concise. I mean, these are some packed verses. Would you agree with me? This is who this Jesus is. Now, it begins with this line, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. And if you read the first four verses, really what Paul is exhorting the church in Philippi, he's saying, look, I want you to be unified. I want you to be humble. I want you to serve one another. I want you to be selfless instead of selfish. And what's amazing is that in every generation of humanity, these words hit like a ton of bricks right at us because it's so easy, right? To, there's strife, there's issues. It's so easy not to be humble, right? It's so easy to be self-exalting. And it's really easy not to get along and not to serve one another. So Paul's saying, look, I want you to be like Jesus. That's what he's saying. I want you to think the way Jesus thinks. And isn't that what the word Christian means? Christian doesn't mean that I have this political affiliation. It doesn't even mean that I go somewhere on Sunday. Being a Christian means that I am Christ-like. That's why, again, our mission is simply respond to Jesus. We want to think the way Jesus thinks. We want to act the way Jesus acts. And for a lot of people, I'm sure people in here today, the reason you don't follow Jesus is because you saw someone who called themselves a Christian who didn't act very much like Jesus. Jesus is real. Within the body of Christ, it's easy to slip into Christian suburbia, to allow the humdrum of life to overwhelm us and forget that God has called us to respond to Him because of what Jesus did for us on the cross. 
Today, Pastor Daniel shared the first message in this series, Because Jesus is Real. We learned that Jesus is God, and because He's God, our lives should reflect that. Jesus is Real Radio is the radio ministry of Daniel Fusco of Crossroads Community Church. The messages that you hear each day here on Jesus is Real Radio were produced for messages that Pastor Daniel shared on Sunday mornings and the midweek study. It's our prayer that this teaching from God's Word blessed and encouraged you in your walk with Jesus Christ. Now, the next time you join us here on Jesus is Real Radio, Pastor Daniel will dig deeper into the incarnation of God, Jesus Christ. Pastor Daniel will share with us some of the wonderful characteristics of our Savior. We'll learn that Jesus was and is a servant and that he humbly obeyed his Father, even unto death. This example of humble servanthood is something that should spill over into our lives. You've been listening to Jesus is Real Radio with Pastor Daniel Fusco of Crossroads Community Church. Pastor Daniel will continue teaching through his series entitled Because Jesus is Real. Next time. Until then, may God bless.